0: Brought to you by yours truly, Javier Fresco. I'm in the mm-hmm. building with my homie, Snugs the General. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> What's up with it, man? How you doing? I'm chilling, brother. I'm chilling Another
1: chilling. long day's work. You know how I go in the life of a black man.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I work <laughs> is never finished. <laughs> never. It's just like this podcast, We had to get off work and jump right onto this podcast, bro. No so, doubt. Again, again this is the no cap podcast um you know we started this podcast based on you know previous conversations we've been having we always have good talks and we said hey what the fuck let's just go ahead and uh just put it out no doubt you know historically um I've been associated with the I hate Monday podcast want to send a special shout out to Fred Harvey Li uh Leely Nicole and G5 the fly guy uh, you know mm-hmm. Really don't know. We, we we might start it up soon. Uh, this Anchor platform is very, very useful. Um, you know, everybody's doing different things right now. I think this will be a pretty cool tool to bring it together uh, for a third season. But as of right now, we're rocking out with no cap. Again, this is your boy, Javier Fresco, along with Snugs the General. So let's just get into it, bro. So um, it's been an a interesting few weeks. Um, about a week ago, we lost an a, a icon, a hero, a Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and his untimely death, along with the uh, seven other passengers, along with him and his daughter and seven other passengers who was on the way to his daughter's basketball game. Uh, we like to send our condolences and our prayers uh, to the Bryant family. You know, I think the the, the nation is still kind of, kinda hurting and still kind of feeling this one's heart still kind of heavy about this one. Yeah man, it's a very untimely death, but
1: you know, Kobe Bryant left his the one thing I admire about Kobe Bryant is that he did the work while he was here. We can't say that he left anything unfinished. That he did everything he was supposed to do, I feel I feel when your purpose is completed then you can make your exit. I mean, it was tragic, especially with his
0: daughter on there. I mean, I oh yeah. And that that's what hurt. I think the nature of how it all went down and the people who were involved uh, along with Kobe uh made it a lot more gut wrenching. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um but like you said, like I remember watching the last game Kobe Bryant played and just the way that the energy in that game, the way he finished that game. And how he left the floor, it was almost like he was exiting. You know, it was kind of speaking to the future of what was going to happen. Not so much saying, like, he knew that he was going to be involved in a helicopter crash, but it was like speaking to I'm moving out. You know, you can see that he was really done, and you really didn't see any glimpse of him, like, maybe returning just based on how he left the game. Yeah. And then as he did make that transition, you know, to go on to Bigger, Better Things, you can see how comfortable in that piece he was with moving forward with new projects and, uh you know, still applying that mama mentality to everything else that he was doing outside of basketball. Yeah. Man, Kobe definitely was an inspiration, man. You can't
1: say you know, Kobe did, he did some stuff, you know, he wasn't, they say he wasn't the greatest teammate, he was arrogant, but when you, when you confident in your skills, when you confident in what you could do on a basketball court, man, that bring a different swag. It bring a different energy, man. For sure. It's like when he come on the court, you know it's game time. I was uh, sitting up talking to my wife and her pops last night, and he was just saying when she was a little girl, they used to watch basketball games together. And when Kobe get the ball, she was like, no, take the ball from him. Because she yeah. knew he was about to scope. Oh, yeah. You know, he was, was going to get to the hole. He was going to shoot the jumper. He you
0: know shoot. what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and so. if anything else, I, I would say, you know, if there's a, a underlying message with it all, man, is it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you got to take all your shots. Kobe yes. didn't make all his shots, but he took all his shots, and he made a vast majority of his shots. And yeah. without him taking them shots, he would have never scored 81 points. He wouldn't have scored 50-some points against Jordan in his last game. you got to take mm, all yeah. your shots because you never know when they're going to run out. So, everyone that you have, every opportunity you have, you got to take a shot, man. Well, Kobe and, did know, the work, too, though. You know what I'm saying? Kobe did the
1: work. Oh, yeah. Kobe was going in, in the gym before the game, two hours in the gym before the game, putting the work in, putting up a 1,000 shots, and then going and dropping 40 on niggas. And shit, he, he, going, know what I'm saying? He, <laughs> he go work out
0: after <laughs> the game. Jim exactly. gym after the game, I heard him. You know, I just watched his interview recently, and it's crazy because there's a lot of content out about COVID right now. So I feel yeah. like you can get a little bit more uh, personal with the 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 man behind the madness. You know, yeah. And he was yeah. just saying, like, you know, he would schedule his day out so he can work out more times a day than you could. Like most people, yeah. might do like two sessions. He's trying to get four to six sessions out of a day. So he waking up at three o'clock in the morning, and he putting that work in up until everybody most everybody sleep, but he's still putting in work and been up since three. Man, you
1: know what I'm that's saying? That's so, oh, <laughs> great. <good. laughs> that's the type of tenacity that COVID had, though. Man, it just speak volumes about the man that he was. You know, he went like I said, man. He had his faults. You know, we all have our faults, but his man, work, his sheer. His sheer work ethic, bro. And then I admire his relationship with his child, with his daughter, you know what I'm saying, with his family. With his that's why young, he was even yeah. taking, you know what I'm saying, that's why he was even taking the helicopter so he could right. spend time with his family, you know what I'm saying. He don't want to spend a whole bunch of time in L.A. traffic. That's more time that he could spend with his family. You yeah. got to think how devoted he was to the game when he was playing. So, you know, that's a lot of time that was wasted when he was playing basketball with his family. Right, so why not? You know, I, I could do it. You know, it's not a stun or a flex, man. It's like, man, that's like shows you his mindset and how oh, his yeah. wheels was always turning, trying to how, figure out the best solution. And calculated he would, yeah, yeah. You know, it's very untimely, though. Man, it was definitely a tragedy, man. He definitely would be missed, you know what I'm saying,
0: all over the sure. world. He was sure. an icon, a laser. Rest in peace, Kobe and Gianna Bryant, man. Man, rest in peace. So, moving forward on a, on a lighter note, uh, we just recently watched the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49s in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54. Yeah. I must say, bro, I've been telling people, I have been telling people all week, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I I want Kansas City to win, but I just think San Francisco is just too overpowering. And, boy, was I wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and Me I'm, too. Me too. I'm glad to admit it because, you know, I really wanted to see Pat Mahomes do it. Yeah. But at the same time, I just felt like on paper the 49ers had a better team. I mean, but when you look at certain players like Tyreek Hill,
1: yeah.
0: uh, Sammy Watkins, yeah. Pat Mahomes, you know what I'm saying? It, it kind of – they did look better on paper. But I just felt like the defense of San Francisco was going to really show up. But They had like the number, they got
1: the number two defense. San Francisco, number one, number two defense.
0: Behind the Baltimore Ravens, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I had to throw it out there, bro. You already know exactly. And, and I wish it was the other way around. I wish it was us in there, but it wasn't. But it was, yeah. it was a decent game. Let me ask you this: What you think about the halftime show?
1: Man, big ups to the Latino community, Hispanic community, whatever Boy. you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? Big ups to them, man. Shakira definitely ain't lost it at all. Jennifer and Lopez, J-Lo either definitely have not lost it. Both of them are beautiful women, bro, but the part that made me just like, what is, whoever that was, was that Bad Bunny rapping? I don't know who it was, man. He was trash to me, though. Personal My opinion, wife he was trash.
0: My wife was uh, throwing out names whoever he, he could have been, possibly yeah. could have been. I don't really know, but <clears throat> I mean, I think they were trying to add a different a lot of different flavors, but I will say I saw a lot of people bashing it on social media. Wow, like, oh, it's good. Like, uh, you know, what, man, you know social how media. people is. Man, but to me, media. I really wanted to sit back and watch that again. Now, there was two beautiful women performing, and they were not uh, of African uh, descent. Yeah. But it had so much flavor, bro. It was like... yeah. You know what I'm saying? It ain't you weren't missing that, and it's like the Ricans, though, bro. Like the Puerto Ricans, I I, I rock with y'all a long way because yeah. they had a whole nother, It's like us with a Hispanic twist. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it was good. I mean, how many dances they had? How many times they were able to switch? Even the wardrobe switching, the pole dance, like bro, it was lit to me. What I can't respect, man, is the amount of uh
1: black women. That Shakira had in her city. you know, I can respect it.
0: Women of color.
1: I want to just say black women. She had a lot of women of color, man. Shout out to the black women, man, that was on the stage representing with Shakira, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Another thing is like they was in Miami, bro, so they had to do it like that. They had to do it big for Miami. Miami heavily influenced in Spanish culture. Oh yeah, man, I, man, I'm a connoisseur of culture, man. I, I'm not going to knock it. I enjoyed it, you know. Who don't yeah. – what, what straight man <laughs> don't want to watch Akira and J-Lo? <laughs>
0: man, I'm trying to tell you. And even in <laughs> they, yeah. at, at their age, bro, like, they still in tip-top shape, bro. Like,
1: 51 years old, bro.
0: Unbelievable, bro. That's correct, bro. J-Lo, 51, bro. I think J-Lo. I think J-Lo take the same approach with her body that LeBron take with, her. Take with his – crawler so they say they like like they, she put a lot of money for <laughs> sure so, nah they're like a whole great auntie <laughs> for real my nigga future say auntie auntie for real bro for real <laughs> man mm-hmm. man but Got like Shakira say man hips don't lie they hips don't don't lie boy
1: don't she was throwing them joints too mm-hmm. I had to watch it with the side of my eyes bro
0: cause I was in the <laughs> of my wife and my mother like, laughing I'm like, okay. Mm. All right. (laughs) All right. This is how we doing it. For real, though. I'm just scared of a wardrobe malfunction because, you know, the NFL won't have nobody else with no type of sauce or no type of flavor for the next five or six years if they have another wardrobe malfunction. I thought Beyonce was supposed to be on there. They were mentioning that. I don't know what happened with that.
1: I see Beyonce in the sky bar with Jay-Z eating french fries. And, 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 you know, that's <laughs> another
0: thing. I, I noticed he was there um, yeah. a couple of years after Boycotting Super Bowl halftime show, having all the uh, mainstream artists, black artists, Boycott mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, now he has his new position with the NFL and he's present. So do you think that we have better halftime shows to look forward to considering his partnership with Jay-Z? Or do you How think he we had not? that much influence? How can we not? Yeah, you gotta look, man.
1: Jay Z, another guy that I respect, off his sheer ability to go in the room and speak the language. And I was telling you the other day, man. I was like, man, there's no way that we can be able to sit in these rooms with these people, man. As African Americans, as people of color, man, that we are, if we can't speak the language that they speak, it.
0: we right. think
1: they're going to, hey, man, y'all niggas better get right. Nah, you got to go in there. You got to speak the language that they're speaking. And I can respect him. And Z get bashed a lot for thinking outside of the box and going mm-hmm. and doing stuff and trying to pave the way and make it better for us. You know, somebody yeah. got to be the sacrificial lamb, bro. So somebody you know, got to go in the room and speak the language and talk to these people and negotiate and will and deal with these people to try to get some footing.
0: Right. But I also view Jay-Z as a financier, uh, yeah. you know, not so much a, a sacrificial lamb. I feel like he has to do his part in terms of – because Jay-Z is not too many African-American males that know business as well as Jay-Z does, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I think it speaks volumes for him to be in a position to be their voice or their representation um, in that magnitude. Um, But I mean, it's a lot of things that other people, that other moving parts have to do just to alleviate some of the the workload, you know what I'm saying, off of people like Jay-Z. Because, you know, he the bank, you know what I'm saying? If you can go to the bank and make the money work, you know what I'm saying, people like Jay-Z can actually step back and do a lot less. But I really feel like, just like uh, Kobe Bryant, he want to have boots on the ground and he want to be overseeing you know, the agenda. He want to be, you know what I'm saying, in the middle of it, orchestrating and, you know what I'm saying, really, really being personal with it and not just delegating roles or, you know what I'm saying, having somebody report back to him, like, hey, yeah, this is what's going on over here. We're doing this, doing that. He want to be yeah. in the middle of it. And at the same time, with him being like that, he assuming a lot of the risks. So he going he gonna to assume a lot of the backlash. He gonna hear, it, but everybody gonna hold him accountable for it, and he ain't, you know, he can't escape that. And I kind of respect that as well. Yeah.
1: Now, as far as your initial question about, do you think we're gonna see better halftime shows? I mean, how can we not? Mm-hmm. Rock Nation stacked, bro.
0: They are for real.
1: Bro. Rock Nation stacked. It I'm talking about. And by the day. Yeah, and it, bro, It's like a uh, that man got a conglomerate over there at Rock Nation. You know what I'm saying? He got some of the best of the best. So if he can, you know, if he can get some of those people to over the years to perform, and he got a lot of young artists, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they music gonna last for a minute. So by the time those Super Bowl opportunities come around, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be nostalgic, like the baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just think about fifteen years from now. And the baby <laughs> talking about I just want some shit with some bob in it. <laughs> oh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. We gonna turn up. <laughs> me, you know what's crazy, though?
0: I, <laughs> I really, really want to see more of that happen more sooner than later, though. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're the babies. You're, you're, you're Migos. You're, you know what I'm saying? I, I would rather see that sooner than later. And I, I know Migos, they were QC, but just the, yeah. the, those type of artists that's you know, that's popping right now, I want to see them in their prime. Doing it, then we go 15 years later down the road, then we coming back having the same nostalgic feeling, yeah, that we had 15 years ago.
1: The only reason why I said this because, are you do you think that mainstream America is ready? I know hip hop culture is pop culture, that's it, you know, hip hop is pop culture, so it's even like I was watching the Grammys and Ariana Grande performance, like, was. The first song she did, I don't, I don't listen to Ariana Grande. No disrespect, but her like the beat she was a trap beat to this yeah. song that she, you know, it was a trap beat. Yeah. So the the influence of hip hop culture is man, it's massive. Yeah, but the I'm reason why I'm saying exactly. So the reason why I said it is, like, but we still have to take a look and say, ah, mainstream mainstream America ready for that. It's the
0: Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? I think if we leave it up to mainstream America, bro, they'll never be ready. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if we leave it up to what's acceptable or what's, you know what I'm saying? I feel like we'll never get to the point to where who gives a fuck, bro? That's how I feel. Like These people, there's a lot of culture voters in the industry. And at the same same time, these people take what they like from our culture and they blow it up. They make it go viral from twerking to by Felicia to, you know what I'm saying, whatever they can pick and choose was acceptable at the time. You see what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, if you have that much influence, I feel like a lot of these guys, they know how to clean up the show, clean up the act because they had to do shows like this all the time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, just, just put it out there. Because they're going to eat it up, bro. I feel like whatever well, whatever hip-hop is serving right now, the world going to eat it up. Yeah, true enough. True enough, man. But
1: I think it takes somebody. Like, let's just take the Kardashians. The Kardashians start wearing braids. And they start getting butt injections, trying to be thick. <laughs> and they started making their little fool. And you know what I'm saying? Like, they had to usher in African American culture to the mainstream, to mainstream America. Right. Man, these folks, like, on TV, like, every week. Okay. So, a little white girl in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and see Kim Kardashian got straight back braids with some beads on the end of it. You know what I'm saying? She gonna think that's cool. Yeah. She's like, wow, Kim Kardashian got... So, it, I think it, it's all about, they see it, but their parents like, gonna be like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Nah, we ain't gonna go that far. It's cool. We'll listen to it in the car, but you trying to get some braids? Nah, we ain't gonna let that go. Until yeah. they see, oh, Kim Kardashian got braids? I guess they're, I guess they're cool then. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, even Alicia, Keys. Alicia, Keys, Alicia Key, Alicia Key had white. Alicia Key came out with braids. Yeah, you know man. what I'm saying? She still wouldn't. Come on, white girls weren't wearing braids when Alicia Key came out. Kim Kardashian though, Kylie, Chloe. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like oh, man. man, I'm talking about <clears throat> man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's the it's unbe- unbelievable the amount the impact that they have on the culture. Period. This yeah. culture, period. Western American culture, it is crazy, bro. It's absolutely nuts to me. It's like how can somebody praise somebody so much that they'll do any and everything that they do? I'm not that type of person. Yeah. So it's hard for me to understand, but I understand I understand the the mindset. You know, yeah. I understand the mindset. Of looking up to someone or admiring someone like Kanye West, right. I admire Kanye West even through all the crazy stuff Kanye has done. Booth. Yeah, as a musician, as an artist, as a creator, that man is my favorite producer. For sure, I listen to Kanye West, and I can remember, bro, we was in your room at your house in Greenville, bro, and we were listening to Spaceships. It changed my life, bro. Oh yeah, listening to spaceships. I was like, "Whoa, this is out of sight. <laughs> this is crazy. This is amazing." For mm-hmm. real, man. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. This is, I mean, so I think I think we'll get there to we'll get to a point where mainstream America and when we say mainstream, bro, come on, let's just be blatantly honest. We talking about white people. You
0: know what I'm saying? For sure, we'll get
1: to the point okay. where. Black holes ain't ahead. tripping
0: on that shit. We already know that. Not that at it, all. For sure. and, and, I mean, not at all. So you know, what, what, what's understood, I ain't gotta be explained. When you know, you know. Exactly. So sure. So <laughs> I think we on our way though. You know, it's like you yeah. say. It's. I think it's gonna come to the point of people not really caring though, and oh, just doing what was, what's, what's needed to be done, and then delivering it in a way that it need to be delivered. You know Something that's
1: outlandish that I believe, bro, is that black people and white people going to become rare, because authentically white and authentically black people are mm-hmm. become rare, bro. They're going to become rare. Like, look at Patrick Mahomes, bro. Oh,
0: yeah. Is, I thought everybody about that the
1: other be day. Everybody's going to be mixed. So if you, like, 100% African-American or 100% Caucasian, you gonna be round. We we gotta end up being the minority, bro. You
0: it's for real. But I think it, it all go back to black. You know, I don't think we'll see, we'll see a lot of it. But at the same time, it's too many. I don't know. I don't know, bro. I really can't even speak on how long it might take. That's a theory, though. You know, that's in play there. Yeah, I years. mean, cause. yeah, it's gonna be some some nice looking people though. Because there's going to be so much me. <laughs> oh, yeah. you talking about genetic engineering. There's going to be some nice looking motherfuckers around here. For real. And they're going to possess a lot of different capabilities that people and attributes that people in in, past, in the past ain't, ain't possessed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be something to see. For sure. Superhumans. Damn. Superhumans, cuz.
1: That shit crazy, man. With it. the imagine a man with the buying power of a white person, <laughs> with the athletic ability of a black
0: person, man, superhero, man. Bill Gates meet Lamar Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> Lamar yeah. Gates looking at him.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> For real though, that's crazy, bro.
1: That's gonna be crazy. I can't wait to see it.
0: Man. I can't wait to see it. I hope we hear that'll that stop a lot of the racism in the world too. I hope, man. Because I think, you know, a lot of people don't really understand what black males or black people go through unless, until they integrate black people into their families. Like, yeah, when women have mixed yeah. sons and they have, you know what I'm saying, mixed relatives and they see what they deal with and then their eyes become open to, you yeah. know, to, yeah, to man. what's the norm for black folks.
1: It's
0: crazy, that's man. Crazy. Not here we even get all the way on there. But that's just real shit, though. <laughs> I don't know, bro. But I want to go back. I want to go back <laughs> a little bit. Let's go back. We was talking about Jay-Z. Move away from the Super yeah. Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl was good. I want to say that. Yeah. It, to me, it was entertaining. Super fast. High pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I felt like if the Chiefs was down, every team they played in the playoffs they started off as being down, and they came back and beat you by what they were down by. Typically, mm. what, what's been happening in the playoffs, but it was a good game overall. Uh, yeah. Shout out to all the people who played in it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of big names coming from there and I, you know, it'd be wouldn't be surprising to see if one of those teams make it back next year. I'm gonna go ahead and put that definitely in like to see the Chiefs going back. They keep Tyreek here. I can't he see the Chiefs going up. back because the Baltimore okay. Ravens are going. Um so I definitely that's see opinion. that's your boy, bro. It's the truth though, bro. Like we were supposed to be there. I don't want to go into this shit. I definitely <laughs> can see San Francisco 49ers though. <laughs> I can definitely see the 49ers get back to it. Uh um, yeah. you know, because they had a day outside the team. You know, people like Richard Sherman, they're getting up in age, but if they can keep their core group together, I don't mm-hmm. I really don't see nobody in NFC beating them next year. I don't see it right that's now. True. So, like, um, Back to Jay-Z, so recently, and, you know, I always have to throw this out there. From the great state of Mississippi, me and Snugs both, from the same town, Greenville, Mississippi, the heart of the Mississippi Delta. Yeah, There's been recent talk um, about the prison conditions, and particularly Parchment. Um, and people like Jay-Z and Yo Gotti, stepping up and filing a lawsuit against the department of corrections in mississippi just for the conditions that they keep the inmates in and we've we've talked about this on several occasions we actually have no people who work in that system um what do you think first and foremost about the approach that jay-z Ogati that they're taking and do you think it'll really make a difference
1: I believe that throwing money at a situation doesn't make it better. That's not a knock on what they're doing and definitely financial financial assistance can, is very much needed when you're coming up against battles like that. You're going to need, like you said, a financier. You're going to need someone that can fight these people with the pocketbook. You get know what I'm saying? Right. But this is a very delicate situation. Meaning that throwing money at it is not gonna solve the problem. Parchment right. is hell on earth. Bill? Yeah. And then you gotta know who you're dealing with.
0: If you then just you throwing money
1: the... at the situation,
0: go ahead. I'm just I was just about to say then you gotta know the history of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, like a lot of people up. don't realize that once African Americans, black people was freed as slaves, this is one of the places that people went to post-slavery, and we still slaves. Yeah. Working for free labor. Yeah, Kids, teenagers, grown men are like all in this particular facility. And that's the root of it. And then you fast forward to 2020 and you're looking at the conditions and it's like, man, it really it may have changed structurally a little bit, but the mentality and, and the whole purpose of it, it still
1: remains the same
0: so I get what you're saying like you can't throw money to it you gotta really bro gotta go back and try to reform the whole system
1: man shout out to T.I. and the Expeditioner podcast I was listening to him and David Banner and Crit and he asked a very important question he was like who
0: are the people
1: that are in charge that are setting the laws to allow these people to do stuff like this right and no one could answer those questions. Because you know, like I know, being from Mississippi, it's a good old boy state. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like it's still a good old boy state. Like as much can be covered up, they're gonna cover it up.
0: For sure. And, and you know what it, I'm it, saying? It, exactly. Go ahead. I mean, you know, I just looking at it, it's so many different things that you can that you can apply that to though, because it's like you can't really get to the bottom of nothing in terms of information. That's it. You can't ever That's pinpoint it. one thing to say. Okay, this is this, or this is mm-hmm. this process of going about doing this, or this yep. is the person I need to reach out to about this. I'm gonna tell you like this, bro. Mississippi still owe me state taxes from 2012. Wow, and I don't even know how to go about acquiring it. You see what I'm saying? It's it's mm-hmm. it's such a rigmarole, bro, and such a process. I feel like the intent is good, you know. But until we're in a position where we can really hold the powers of be accountable for what's going on, I really just feel like, you know, it's, it's hit or miss. Can't really be. It's a, it's a lot of in-between
1: steps that have to be taken. You get what I'm saying? Like, we can go to the state capitol and we can march on the state capitol and hold a, prison reform rally at the state capitol, bro, but you know how many steps it is between the warden or whoever, you know, the whoever run Parchment and the governor? Oh, yeah. How many people are in between it? Bro, we got to figure it out.
0: Or so, not, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't even know, bro. Like, it could be so many people in between, or it couldn't be. And that's the that's the part of the mystique, bro. Of, yeah,
1: that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's crazy. That's the crazy. That's the craziness of it all. Is that you can't say that we know Eric Simmons is the is the mayor of Greenville. You hear know what I'm saying? We can, we can, we got a person of something that's going wrong in the uh, city of Greenville, jail. We can say, okay, Eric Simmons is the mayor of Greenville, Mississippi. We know who he is. So we could take what we need to address to him, and then there's a person under him, and then there's a person under him, and then there's a person under him, and then there's the person that run the jail. You get what I'm saying? Right, right. I got so putting it on his desk. How much you got to think he got hundreds of and thousands of situations on his desk. You know, it's like think about if, if we're talking about a mayor of a small city in Mississippi, the governor of Mississippi. Yeah. Think about how many issues on his desk. Things that are gonna get pushed. The only way I can see is if African American people or P I ain't even gonna just make this about black people. Because we're in Mississippi, we want to make it about black people, it's white people in that jail too, bro. For sure. It's the white people in that jail too. So okay. If we want to, as Mississippians, if we want to see a change, we have to get on social media and we have to act a fool. Not act a fool and cause a riot or cause ruckus or be destructive, but it has to be constant. It has to be consistent. It has to be a consistent flow of people being upset with the conditions of these people and of their family members or their brother, their sister, we all, I know you know somebody, I know somebody that's in Parchment, I got family members in Parchment, I got friends in Parchment, and I got a friend that worked there. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's deep. It's deeper than rap. It's like, it's for real. You know what I'm saying? I got a cousin, we got got a cousin (laughs) that's serving 30 plus life. 50, 60 years. He never get out of jail. I can remember. I can remember my partner. I don't want to release his name because he worked there. He had to go to work there every day. You know what I'm saying? Right. He was. He was telling me. He was like, "Bro, they get these folks a scoop of mashed potatoes, some green bologna, a piece of molded bread, and an orange, and that's dinner at like five o'clock." So if somebody give you one slice of bread, a piece of green bologna, like Sam I am, (laughs) like a Dr. Seuss book, an orange, and one scoop of mashed potatoes and tell you to go to bed afterwards. I'm raising sand hell. What you mean? And everybody getting treated like this. So they want to say, nah, GDs and the vice lords, into each other, bro. I'm so hungry, man. You got to sleep with feces on the floor, you got to sleep, and it's hot in the summertime, it's mosquitoes eating you up, bro. Mosquitoes are like horses here.
0: Yeah, I just want to say, you know, these people are being treated so human. It's it's unfair, bro. Yeah, to, to a degree. Um, well, I mean, not to a degree, just flat out is unfair. I mean, great, you know, a lot of people in for some harsh crimes, right? For well, people to people, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We can't have third world facilities, bro, in an American culture that is designed to rehabilitate, supposedly, rehabilitate offenders, and you put them in a position to where they're still in survival mode, even when they incarcerated. They ain't got no adequate food, no adequate conditions as, as a whole. And not to mention, bro, you got people living in these situations, same time, you got people working in these conditions. Think about all the health hazards to the employee that's working. Man. I'm gonna tell you like this not
1: only health wise, but these people are in physical danger. And I think I don't know the accurate, don't quote me on the statistic, but I think it's like over 80% of the uh, COs
0: are women. Yeah, see, and that's another thing. You know, so you you looking at so many different safety issues bro, all the way around. Yeah. And they gotta deal with all these irate men, grown men, bro. Yep. They gotta you go in and they gotta go try to man the fort. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that they're incapable, but it's just not it's not a fair fight. You know. Not at all. Because in not most situations like this, you got you got pods. You might have like sixty inmates to one CO in a pod. Imagine if that's a female CO in that situation with 60 grown men, bro. You know, a lot of people ain't looking at it from they just looking at it like they in there. And they are not looking at all the moving parts that's associated with it. Man, bro.
1: These folks got stab proof vest that's like an inch thick. Man an inch thick stab proof vest and these dudes snatching 14, 12, 14 inch pieces of steel off stuff, sharpening them, filing them down. Like, what can you do against that? Nice. These folks getting pissed on them that these dudes to stored up like for weeks. Hot piss. I'm talking about Acidic piss that'll
0: Shit, burn your dude. skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then do send, him, send cells on fire stuff. Not to mention a lot of these people have are infected with 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 diseases, bro, that are detrimental. Yeah, you know a lot of people don't look at that either. You know, it's it's, it's not really a real separation of who got what, and you know what I'm saying. We're gonna segregate based on, you know what I'm saying. This person living with this ailment, though, you know what I'm saying. Everybody, all I think together. it is some
1: kind of separation with like the people that have HIV and
0: stuff like that. I don't know. I know from a different, a different state. Yeah, just still in the South, Arkansas Department of Corrections. Most of those people, they still are housed like, like the pod, I'm speaking of most of those people. You might be in the in the, in the pod with sixty people. Somebody in there might for sure have it. You know, that's crazy. Saying? Oh yeah. That's absolutely outrageous. So they exposed to it. It, it. It's it's dangerous. It's it 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 it's the conditions that they are in as well as the other elements that's introduced into the environment that are brought in by by other people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, it's already a fucked up situation, and then you start throwing all this other fucked up ass shit in it, and it's like a cesspool, bro. Like it's unfortunate. I'm glad somebody though is, is is shining some light on the situation. Maybe no, no. we'll see some change. Maybe we'll see uh, a progressive movement in terms of better better facilitating the people who have been incarcerated in these in these situations. Uh, like you, like we said earlier, it's really, you really don't know who to point the finger. at you really don't know who to light the fire under to make them move, to make this shit happen. But there are organizations who are working towards this cause as we speak on it today. And i like to send a special shout-out to those people because they're not the Jay-Zs and the yo goddess of the world, but they're the people like the working-class people like you and myself yeah. who are actually advocating for better conditions and, and even uh better employment rates because uh, a lot of times, I think, in recent laws change, I think I heard he's on the expedition. Expeditiously podcast as well. Uh I think they just changed the age range of when you can hire. But most people were getting out right out of high school, man, going into these type of situations working because the state really don't have many jobs, really well paying jobs to offer these people. So now you know what I'm saying, they gotta put themselves in hard way just to go make a book. Man, that's crazy. Yeah.
1: Our state is like, you know, we we the most impoverished state in America, you know. So there's not a lot of funding, but that's a whole nother topic for another day. But just to touch basis on it, you can't pay somebody seven seventy five or seven twenty five to go deal with the type of stuff they got to deal with in
0: jail and parchment, bro. Right.
1: You can't tell me they don't make seven dollars and twenty five cent to deal with a hundred grown dudes that's mad because they ain't eating It's hot and they just mad cause they in jail. You know, you can't pay me that to go in there and deal with it, to put my life in danger day after day to go deal with it. Not me. I'm not finna do it. I'm 30 year old man. I'm not finna do that.
0: Right. And I think, you know, that, that, that pay rate may be a little bit more considering the industry that in most Jobs like this pay you more than what's was normally being offered, but as a state, for sure, it's crazy because I tell people all the time, man, it's most people in their 40s, but they don't make over eight dollars an hour, and that's crazy. I can remember being 19 working at a fast food joint, and it's women, late 40s, early 50s, working in here with me, bro, and they making they checks like a hundred something dollars a week. You can't survive on it. You can't eat. You know what I'm saying? On top
1: of that, you can't pay your utility bills, your rent. You know, cost of living adjustments. You know, things are much cheaper, you know, in terms of food and housing and stuff like that. But, man, you can't live off $100 a week. Who can live like that? I and mean, these people got like children. It. You know, yeah. these people got children. These people got other dependents, you know. You know, family. The South, especially Mississippi, is about family. Yeah. You know, so you may have a grandma, and you may have a little cousin living at the crib along with three other kids. I know in my house growing up, it was me, my dad, my stepmom. It was it was about eight people living in a three bedroom house. Right. You know, we made it happen. You know, we made it happen, but at the same time. There's no way we would have been able to survive if that was making a hundred dollars a week. There's right. no way with that many people in the house.
0: Right? There's no way. And that's something many- you know, that 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 economic system within itself is what lead a lot of people into places like Parson. Yeah, a, exactly. It's a full cycle. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people, like I said, they just look at like, okay, yeah, they in jail and they in there and they just forget about it. But it's like you got to look at what conditions or the mentality or the construct that lead people to having to go and sit down in places like this. Because mm-hmm. everybody ultimately bro, they in survival mode from, from when they hit the floor. You're yep. trying to survive. Trying to you survive. do some shit to get you locked up. You're in jail. You're trying to survive. You get out of jail. You come out. You're still trying to survive. That goes no, through. no way.
1: Now, in no way are we justifying criminals or we justifying, you know, criminal behavior and no, activities. No. But to understand the situation at this jail and parchment in particular, you have to understand the conditions of the people before they get there. Right. You know, we grew up in it. You know, we are, we understand yeah. that it's like very, very, very few opportunities. Dude. Those opportunities don't afford you the capability of being able to, to sustain an a adequate lifestyle. Right. You know, just to be able to go and, and buy clothes or pay your bills. So these folks hustle. You know? They hustle and granted, you can, it's other ways to hustle other than selling drugs and stealing and robbing and doing stuff like that, man. But if I don't have an opportunity to give you then you'll have an opportunity to get. Yeah. So I may work at, like you said, I may work at Wendy's. I may be the manager in Wendy's. But I'm trying to hold on to my job so I won't nobody else get my job because I know if I get fired, I'm not going to have another opportunity. That's how it is. It's yeah. doggy dog, for real.
0: Yeah. We know people, people that have been on job. job. Yeah, go ahead.
1: We know people <laughs> been on job 40 or 50 years. Man. Because it is crazy that you gotta work from eighteen years old up until you 50 or 60 years old. And you just gotta the mindset is like, man, I gotta work this job as long as I can so I can retire. What a liberty in it. It's no liberty in there, it's no freedom in it. Right. You feel like a slave. And most it's people slavery.
0: most people in them situations, bro, they never really get the get the opportunity to step outside of that environment into other environments, whether it be a vacation or you know what I'm saying, everybody is kinda it's almost like you I, I I always tell people like I moved away from Mississippi when I was nineteen, right. Went to school in Florida. My first time living outside of the state, my eyes were open to so much shit, bro. From 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 being interactive with Caucasians to actually having Caucasian women like trying to holler at you, you know what I'm saying? You don't even really know how to deal with it because you never really had the opportunity. And then you experience the world, bro, and then you end up going back. And a lot of people, like myself, get stuck. I left when I was 19, I ended up coming back when I was, like, 20, 21. And I stayed in Mississippi until I was almost 24 years old. But I you know, determined to get out because I knew the world had more to offer offer me than what Mississippi was offering. But a lot of people, they don't even if they have the opportunity, they're scared to lead it because they are in this mindset of I got to preserve what I have, uh-huh. the little bit I got, I got to take care of it. They don't want to want to introduce too much change because they don't know if they're gonna make it. I tell a lot of my family members all the time, man, you gotta jump out the port. Like, you got to just be brave enough to just try. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, too, in a situation, they have opportunity where they can step out. And if stuff don't work out, bro, you can go back. You got mom and dad at the crib you can go stay with, get back on your feet. If you had any type of good work ethic, you know what I'm saying? You could probably go back and get the job that you had back if ain't nobody came in. You know what I'm saying? Got it. Because, you know what I'm saying, if people are always looking for jobs and once one comes available, you know, it's a blessing for somebody else. But a lot of times, bro, if you step out and you can do what you need to do and you can just get over that fear, you don't have no really you really had no need to go back. Yeah. Like I I moved away from Greenville after I was in
1: college. After I graduated from college, I moved to Chicago. And like you said, it was a culture shock. Yeah. That was the first time like where we're from, is not. It's like black people on one side and white people on the other side. We only time we encountered white people was when we played baseball. You know, that's it. We played baseball for the county. That was the only time we encountered black people or white people. Excuse me, because it wasn't segregated. It was just they lived on another side of town. But in a way, it was.
0: But it wasn't segregated by law. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the the legislation that segregated us. It was
1: exactly
0: people's choices, quality exactly. of their life over, you know what I'm saying, interacting with other people. They chose mm-hmm. to go to different schools. They chose to live in a, in a certain area. And they mm-hmm. sort chose, chose to move a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like you say, very, very few um, moments where you encounter where those lines kind of blurred, you know, but even I would say, you know, to speak to the the temperature of the relationships. I can't really recall outside of me being a kid and, you know, my folks moving to a predominantly white neighborhood at the time, outside of the old people who would be outside that would, you know, say whatever they would say and do little things while I'd be riding my bike in the neighborhood. I can't say that I ever really witnessed any open acts of racism or, uh, white people mistreating black people now, they always had you know they thing that they did and they always kept themselves separated but exactly. if we ever came together i never really seen any any quarrels or like or any beats. it was never
1: overt right it was never overt right yeah it was never overt like i the first time i ever dealt with overt racism was when i moved to chicago
0: yeah when i moved, I, I moved to chicago
1: after it's like I was walking down the street to go to the store, first time it ever happened to me in my life. I'm walking down the street, and a white lady clutched her purse and walked to the other side of the street. I'm like, man, oh, she just think I'm one of these Chicago niggas. These niggas be robbing, stealing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that happened on a few different occasions, so it had to dawn on me like, oh, she's not doing that just because of who she think you are, it's because of how you look. Yeah. And preferably because you black. Yeah, You know, it's like people I had somebody call me colored I worked at a gas station overnight When I first moved out there It was my first job And it's this white dude Came, he was a middle aged white dude He was like, yeah man I, I was telling my wife, man, it's a colored dude It's a colored guy working at the gas station I said, colored? <laughs> <laughs> colored? <laughs> it's like this 50s dude, what you mean? I He's not... like, oh no man, I'm I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I somebody had to understand where he was coming from, too, though. You
0: know what I'm saying? That right.
1: His era, that's what black people would call called, called color people. To me, mm-hmm. I, I got offended. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, it, it's just, you know, it was a major, major, major culture shock. Having to deal with so many people working at a gas station. Man, I never dealt with that many type of people in my life. Ever.
0: Yeah. Then you got a city like Chicago. It's 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 a melting pot. You're like man, you're Florida, Florida, same thing. But I would say I dealt with more racism in the state of Texas than I ever did in Mississippi. Primarily though, bro, you look at how we, we wasn't getting that shit in our part of the world in Mississippi. We were not getting that shit. You know, people mm-hmm. weren't we wasn't looking for no trouble. But at the same time, you weren't finna come try to do no bullshit on no racism. That's awesome. And that you know. And people could take whatever approach they want to take with it. Not to say that we were just outright violent, but at the same time, we ain't no hoe. Yeah, it just wasn't coming
1: down to. It (laughs) It wasn't just coming down to you know, let me move out the way for the white man. Uh, It's not finna happen like that. You know, we had, and it's partially because we ain't deal with them. We didn't have to deal with them.
0: Right.
1: It was very few occasions where we had to deal with them. And I think that with that, if I could speak to my own situation, now I was very ill-prepared going into a situation like moving to a big city like Chicago because of that. Because I'm only around my family. I'm all around people we go to church with, with our family, and you know, other black folks, folks went to school with and stuff, everybody black. I remember it was a statistic when we was at high school. They said, man, it's 1% white people going to this school. I said, I wonder how many white people that is. They said, that's a half a person. Man. I said, what? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a half a person. So it was a biracial person that went to high school.
0: The rest was 99% black. I could recall two white people graduating with me. And it's crazy because like I said, when I explain this type of shit to people, they don't understand it. It's like Where did you come from? But, you know, just we I I guess we kind of speaking on why it was like that, because any white people went to school with us, bro, they wasn't affluent in terms of, you know what I'm saying, money. They, you know, they were smart, but they weren't Mm -hmm. like the the, the fortunate people didn't go to school with us. I'll put it like that. Not to say that we were misfortunate, but, you know, they just had other places that they would go. Opposed to going through the public su- school system. Yeah, and I remember school. growing up, you know what I'm saying, elementary school, I asked it probably the, the most that I had white educators as well as white students going to school with me. But by the time I hit like fifth and sixth grade, that ratio dwindled tremendously. And by the time I went to middle school, I, it was a wrap. It was It was a yeah. whole rap.
1: It was you like because saying? I can remember that. I can remember I didn't live on the west side at the time. You know what I'm saying? I, you lived over there when white folks lived over there. But I ain't live over there. But I Man. can just remember coming to your house and it was white families on the street and then a couple years they moved and then black families moved in and then by the time we get ready to graduate high school and I go into my freshman year of college and I come back home the West side of the hood. Oh yeah, it's
0: the hood. I mean it went <laughs> from it went from only noise you heard was when somebody was outside mowing a yard, a yard to shit, we in the middle of the street hooping. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be that playing now, balls, too best, doing, and then next thing you know, <laughs> It just, the whole neighborhood turned into it, you know? But I mean, at the same time, it was good to see black people being able to move into different areas and to do more. But at the same time, in a lot of them areas, we weren't good stewards of what we acquired. And that's what's messed up about
1: it. Because I did, when we did move to the west side, you know, it was a white, it was an older white lady that lived across the street from us.
0: Right,
1: then she moved or she died or something like that and then it was a a, a a black lady and her family and she was a nurse and you know our little section we was okay we kept our lawn maintained and everybody spoke we was a family but that quickly turns into the hood for some reason I don't understand that I mean I guess because you know you get more people you know the these houses they they depreciate in value, and then people you know from a certain demographic move into the neighborhood, and they bring the same mindset to that neighborhood. So they depreciate the value. I don't want to say depreciate the value. To say hood people make. Depre- they depreciate the value of a neighborhood, but in so many words, that they don't add value back to the neighborhood
0: yeah, like it we just, did. It's just the shit that they be on that really take away from what's what's been established, and it yeah. don't take long, bro. It don't take long for that shit to go to shit.
1: This was like five yeah. years, <clears throat> yeah, for like five years from yeah. the time, yeah, from the time we moved over there till. College to like my sophomore year in college,
0: like five years, for real. So and, and go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, just to kind of, kind of, bring everything together in a clear picture. I mean, we we talked about parts when we talked about a lot of the conditions. You know what I'm saying that lead up to people going to these situations. And we, to, we try to figure out what it could be a solution. What do you think as a whole the state of Mississippi can do to bring, to revitalize the state from a living standpoint to an economic standpoint to, I mean, even the correctional standpoint, a rehabilitation standpoint, because I feel like there's a whole there needs to be a community outreach in so many different areas in terms of trying to dial some shit back or to restore some shit, the rehabilitation shit. What do you think is the start? Because Jay Z, you know, they taking their approach. What else can be done? The mindset, it has to be a shift
1: in mindset. It has to be a shift in the 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 view standpoint of Mississippians, it's it's like it's it's almost like a desolate situation. Like when you come here, you see like we said earlier, it's a lot of people. You see them in that situation, and they have the this is this is good as it gets syndrome. Yeah, they have this is as as good as it's gonna get. So you have to reform people's mind. You have to show them that no, it don't have to be like this. And then, life. yeah, and, and it could be more, it could be more to life here. Right. Because we know that, we know that Mississippi don't produce nothing, really. You know what I'm saying? We don't. It,
0: can't and in... cotton. Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, that's it. You know, if we could get some, if we can get, I don't want to say over industrialized Mississippi, because that's not good either. But if we could get some manufacturing, if we could get uh, some small business, if we could get, you know, some people that really understand the culture here and build off the back of the culture, then they will quickly realize that Mississippi have a lot to offer in terms of cuisine, in terms of music, in terms of uh sports we see it like the Super Bowl if we could just take a step back well, it's four players on the Chiefs team from from Mississippi right?
0: you know four or five i i noticed that almost every year you know what i'm saying that there's some exactly. there's some dudes from Mississippi that I mean even from when Malcolm Butler made that uh the interception against the Seahawks a couple of years ago exactly. and he was the the star of the show coming from exactly. Mississippi from Vicksburg for sure. and So, thank you. so if if
1: we could if we could play on the, I think it had it got to be a mindset shift. It has to be. It has to be a a, a reform in the mentality of the people here. To uh, to be able to reform the mentality of the people, in the rest of America, because they only see. I was talking to my brother last night. And he was talking to some of his buddies, my brother lives in Chicago. And he was talking to some of his buddies. And he was asking his buddies, he was like, What do y'all think when somebody say something about Mississippi? They was like, slaves, cotton, dirt roads. Damn. When that's the opposite of yeah. what I mean, we I have a lot too. We got cotton fields, yes. We got dirt roads, yes. But what state in America don't? Don't for sure. <laughs> What state in America don't have dirt roads? What state in America don't have poverty, don't have hoods, don't have, you know, fields, you know? So it's no different. It's historically always been one of the most racist states in America. But now, black people are the vast majority of occupants or residents of Mississippi. Yeah. So, it got to be a shift. It's almost like the white folks were here first and then they left it to us and we ran it in the ground. For real. We don't know what to do. It's almost like after slavery, they released us and we didn't know where to go. And we just trying to be scraping. We've been scraping by ever since. So it has to be a mentality shift. it got to be some it got to be some reform, man. That's all the only thing that I can say because everything start it start personally, and then yo, what you what you bring to yourself and how you reform your 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 mental personally, you can spread that news and that knowledge to another person, mm-hmm. and then they can go to another person. There's a trickle down effect. So until uh, we do that in our communities, then we gonna always be in the situation we in.
0: I've always heard of Missouri being the show me state, right? Yeah. I feel like Mississippi the the, the residents of Mississippi adopt their mentality as well. I feel like they need to be shown you know what I'm saying, that it can be better. You know what I'm saying? So first and foremost, to show that there are uh, the opportunities that are available in the world, you know what I'm saying? And if we could take these same opportunities and make it available in this state. Exactly. And we speak so much about it. I mean, because we from it, bro. And we, we, we love it. It made us who we are. It taught us how to move around. I feel like any person from this city can move around anywhere in the world and find a friend and find a way to survive and find, Peace in whatever situation it is that they end just based on our upbringing from those conditions, but I feel like yeah. people need to be shown more there needs to be yeah. more of a a, a a showcase of financial literacy, a showcase of a better quality of life because yeah. I think you know once it, that once that's imprinted into the mind, then we can start to duplicate what we've seen. It's kind of like when like when you write music, but like a lot of times, a lot of writers, they fall into writer's block because they haven't experienced anything new to talk about. They ain't heard no stories in the barbershop. They ain't heard no stories from their homeboy. They ain't been able to go out of town and see this and see that and move around and just, you know what I'm saying, just... Box man. so I feel like you know if we could if we could impose some new thought into that that situation, I feel like that's that's the i mean along with what you're saying, I think that's the that's the the foundation you know what I'm saying yeah. of reforming the mind, yeah, but you know we just gotta wait. Not necessarily the wait, but we got to take action and we got to look, we got to set goals. The American people as a whole, we got to set goals just to see yeah. what we want our world to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. And we just got to go out and do it. You know what I'm saying? We started this piece talking about Kobe Bryant and his mama mentality. Um, you know, a lot of that mentality has to be applied to yep. to what people want to get done, to whatever agenda That's it is right. that you're trying to push, yep. you got to apply that same work ethic. Put them boots on the ground. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be from prison reform to social injustice issues, whatever it may be, you know what I'm saying. You got to be diligent in your work, and you got to be you got to be working towards it. You got to. You have to because
1: taking upon on that mindset of we see how great of an achieve, of the achievements outside of basketball that Kobe Bryant made that Kobe Bryant made, and if we could adopt a third of the energy that he put into those situations, we can make some drastic change for
0: sure. And that's a fact. Ooh. We're gonna close it out with that, bro. This has been a no cap podcast. This is again your boy Javier Fresco, along with my partner Snugs in General. We thank you for listening. Uh, this podcast will be streamed anywhere you can stream podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. And we will be back. Yeah, for so, sure. All right.